our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide in the DMs. We'll hook you up. All right. Our number one asked question is revolving around Force fetch. Whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water, or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird, let me help you help your dog. Bunch of different breeds, bunch of different personalities, start to finish, teaching you how to do it. Links in the description. Here we go. Episode 8 of Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. Kevin and I are going to rock this one out. We are going to talk about some hunting, talk about a new dog in the kennel, in the family that we're excited about, and we want some listenership to help us name her. We'll get to that in a second, though. Don't don't give away all the fun. Don't spoiler? Don't, no spoilers. All right. Well, I want to drop some sad news on all of you. I, I had a rough day. You? Rough day. Okay. We got a, I got a note from my wife while I was at work that we were being bullied online. little little online bullying people don't like our podcast we have (laughs) i thought something was wrong at first it's so good so first off i i want to thank everybody who took time out of their day to comment and like leave a review i think that's really cool i mean to be honest with you i've been sharing and and sending us it's been great i've never done that before so like when i asked you in the previous podcast to subscribe and to leave a comment. You never do that? No, I ain't got time for that. I do it on all the good ones. Ain't nobody got time. So I, I really haven't, and I'm just being honest. So the fact that 60 people out of everybody who's listened have taken three minutes out of their day to give us a review and leave a nice lovely note about witty banter <laughs> between two brothers and great training advice and cool, you know, interviewees and all these like really nice things that they said. We have one dude. It could be a chick, but I think it's a dude. And he, he had said, a bad day at work and he was very upset about listening to a new podcast. He took his anger out on life on <laughs> us. 
Come on, man. Come on, bro. He said there's enough of these out there and blah, blah, blah. And I said to Kevin, I go, well, Nike shouldn't have created shoes. There was already Reebok. People had shoes before. Yeah, people had shoes. <laughs> Jesus had shoes. We don't need Nike. Hey, first of all, you're probably not listening because you didn't <laughs> like it. But if you are listening, I read that review and we're hurt. <laughs> I want to I wanna follow up a podcast. Yeah, I'm going to review your podcast and give you a one. All right. Enough. But, anyway, but anyways, hey, do but, appreciate all the people who do send. Uh, I mean, really, any feedback is cool. I it if feels there's negative good. feedback, cool. We'll fix it. We'll make it better. Yeah, make it actually, make it better so it's not all like the other ones. I totally forgot to show Kevin, but somebody sent me an, exactly what I just did interrupting him. But they sent me a funny meme where they're like Batman and Robin or Spider-Man and somebody else like pointing to each other. And it was Bob and Kevin interrupting each other on the <laughs> podcast. I'm like, dang, this dude's taking some time. Yeah, he, he put some it. time into that, though. But That's hey, good. We're having fun with this. If you haven't subscribed and you enjoy it, binge listen. We have are looking at our analytics now. It sounds, it seems like through the numbers that people are listening to one and digging it and listening to more. So thank you so much. Um, but subscribe, leave a comment, except for you, one guy. <laughs> you're done. You're out. And we're going to get into the episode. So, Kevin. Big news. If, if anyone follows me on Instagram and probably Facebook, we... We adopted Kevin and his wife adopted a, a German short-haired pointer that was a little uh, long in the tooth or lack thereof, and um, he just didn't fit into the home. And I, I felt bad. Ke- Kevin can speak to it for a second, but it, yeah. they wrestled with it, and the adoption just was more exciting than the actual facts of adopting a really old dog. This wasn't like an eight-year-old. This was a really old dog. Yeah. And it didn't pan out, so maybe give them two yeah. seconds. And then we'll yeah, yeah. So we, I, I wanted a a little buddy for our our one and a half. Well, she's gonna be two in a couple of weeks. Two year old golden retriever bird, uh, who you've probably seen on on Instagram, uh, but she's a real high energy dog. Loves going out hunting and running and hiking and and all the fun stuff. Uh, just a a bundle of energy and so we were looking for a little little playmate and also have been wanting to get into the pointing industry and uh so this kind of fell into my lap got an email made a phone call the guy was really nice and wanted to rehome his guide dog that just had to retire and 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 needed to find a loving home was also a master hunter so i'm like okay cool not a bad deal Ended up being a whole lot older and couldn't do a whole lot older and couldn't do stairs. My house is lots of stairs and he was a big dude. He was like 70 pounds. My wife couldn't carry him. It was one of those things. He was a little incontinent. And yeah. it. Uh, we tried to do a good thing. Tried to give him uh, some end of life love and whatnot, but it just, it, my house wasn't conducive for him. So that was really sad. It was a huge bummer, but... But right side, he was able to go home. The the yeah. the guy took him back and was it doesn't have stairs and all that good stuff. So it was kind of like no harm no foul. Dude had a good vacation away. Yeah, he got to hang out with you guys, and he was a really nice dog. It yeah. was sad, but you know that's one thing that responsibly wise, he just wasn't a good fit, right. and the excitement of him, you know, the thought of him, 
overweighed maybe the logic behind was he a good fit for the home and your yeah. lifestyle and all that. Something that we'd want to maybe point out to when you're thinking of getting a puppy. Is it timing-wise? Is your lifestyle ready for it? Things like that. So realistically, this old old guy, cash man, he just wasn't wasn't the fit. And so after a really difficult decision, Kevin and Rachel decided that, you know, call the owner. He totally understood and felt bad, and we moved on quickly. And I made some phone calls, and I found – and oh, Side note, Kevin really loves my English setter, Andy. She's a beautiful dog. Like, she's a knucklehead. She's quirky. She's a ton of fun. She's spunky. She's a good dog. She's a good girl. And so when I go out of town, they'll watch her, and they fell in love with the breed. And so I made a cool phone call to my friend Molly, who I knew back in the summer had English setter puppies, and said, hey, what do you got? Ooh, well, I she kept two of her favorite and was she like guides quail in the off season and all this really neat stuff. And so she kept two of her favorites, a black and white one and an orange and white one. And they're both female. And she said, you know, I'm only going to keep one. Why don't you meet them? I'm going to see her at a hunt test this weekend. Whichever one you want, you know, your brother can have. So fell into our lap again. It just, yeah, totally fell into our lap. House broken, crate trained, five months old, so still puppy, still looks like a puppy, acts like a puppy, and whatever. I meet the puppies, and they are both winners. I mean, cute to say the least. And Rachel, Kevin's wife, liked the thought of the orange one, so that's who we brought home. And now, next week... We want to <laughs> stay announce. Stay tuned. Stay tuned and listen to episode nine. We want to announce her name. We can't come up with a name right now. Technically, her name is Cutie, but we all that's a no go. We all know that's got to go. Can't have a badass hunting dog. Come on, Cutie. Come here, Cutie. <laughs> yeah. Come here, you little Cutie. So, Cutie, his name is out the window, and we're gonna think of something bigger, better, stronger. But she's a really dainty pretty dog with a funny personality and we want a name that can match it right so we're gonna put it out on instagram check it out and we'll roll with it and next week we'll have a name picked out and it'll be fun so stay love tuned to have that. the lone duck community everybody help out throwing throwing some good names and we'll have you guys choose cool so now on to this morning me and raggedy andy took a little hunt um a where'd you go uh near we're up in central new york yeah we're in new york um we were near casanova lake okay a a little bit south of us yeah it's one of the finger lakes and there's state land that usually holds grouse and woodcock and a friend of mine who has a little chocolate puppy Wanted some training tips and is going to be sending me the dog in the future. Wanted to meet up with me and let's do an hour grouse hunt type of deal. So we did. And I went out early this morning and we had a great time. We were in the woods for literally 30 seconds. You must have just gotten out of your car. Yeah, I mean, we we played with the puppy. They We did our thing, right? And we start our first push. 
and Andy's out in front of me, which, side note, if you've heard our previous episodes where we hunted in Michigan, she was following behind me in thick cover, and I kind of realized what I needed to work on and train on, and so we've been improving. She's she's in front of me hunting, medium pace, pushing through cover, hunting thick areas, and pointing birds, um, so I'm really, really proud of her. Um, so this morning she's out in front doing beautifully. I'm really proud of her, but like 30 seconds into it, her nose goes up into the air and she's like wafting and wafting and boom, big old grouse. What was that noise again? Boom. (laughs) Right. So this grouse flushes. So I don't think she, she didn't flush it. It flushed from her pressure, our pressure. And it was in between me and my buddy. And I couldn't shoot, not safe to shoot. And I yell, here he comes, type of deal. And crack of his gun, he missed it. But sweet, beautiful bird. Like, I got a really good look at it, even though I knew That's I That's awesome. Yeah, even though I knew I couldn't shoot safety-wise, that kind of took the pressure off and, like, got to enjoy watching this thing flush and got a really close look at it. It was awesome. That's cool. Not 30 seconds later. <laughs> Woodcock goes up again. No point. She didn't wow. She didn't flush it. It just it two birds within two minutes of our hunt are up stepping and, on them. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, really neat. That doesn't happen. Not often. So now I'm thinking, baby, we are in the spot. So we keep hunting. And of course, that was our first beginner's luck of the first three minutes of the hunt. And she hunts really well. We we had a couple false points. Maybe there was old scent there. Birds were there earlier in the morning or whatever, but a couple false points that really got our blood boiling and like excitement up and followed her. And she was rock steady while we were kicking around brush and stuff. Really neat. She's coming along like birds make a bird dog. Anthony Farrell from fetching feathers episode three, I believe made that comment. Birds make a bird dog. And she's been getting, you know, half hour here at the end of the night, an hour in the morning before I go out to train. Maybe she's been out five times since Michigan plus training with pigeons. Right. And she's putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And well, she's pay- getting a little bit older and she's been getting a little the, bit of work, the, but the I wedding mean, was two weeks ago. It's not that she's getting older. It's experience. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. So she's getting, I'm, I'm training for what she's going to see in the field which is thicker cover, okay? So I'm really pleased with her, long story short. Then we did have a really nice point on a woodcock, and I missed. It was one of those. Classic. Mm, come on, man. So it was a point, and it wasn't a strong point, and so she like readjusted just a hair, and then all of a sudden was like, oh, that's a bird, boom, and locked up tight. So do you think she, I, I want to dissect this a little bit. So, so, cause when, when the dog goes on point, you want to like, okay, whoa, and, and slow it down and it stops and doesn't move. Right. Right. But ideally that's what would have happened. Yeah. But, but you think she was like, okay, like I need to move a step closer, make sure here. Yeah, I just don't think she was fully sure of herself that what she was smelling was what she was smelling. And then as soon as it 
was true to her. One more noseful. Right. As soon as she took like two or three steps in the, into the wind and that scent cone hit her, locked right up real tight. And as I took a couple steps towards her, Woodcock, Mr. Woodcock came flushing out. And I swung, shot, and I kind of would encourage people to do that. As long as it's a safe shot, take the shot because all you need is one BB of seven and a halfs to, to hit that little target. And you got a bird in the it's bag. It's not gonna take much to, to to knock on a woodcock, right? And I'd rather, I'd rather take the shot and follow up and have the dog hunt and see if we got it, right? And I didn't. Um, he was able to see the whole flight pattern, and after really? the shot, yeah, and after the shot, because we tried to position ourselves to where we could possibly both get a shot. So right. he got to see the bird fly away. So we knew we didn't injure it, and we knew we didn't kill it. So it worked out well, but. It was a really nice point. She had a few other points. We had one wild grouse flush that we could hear in the distance. Just a nice hour, like hunt. Just beautiful morning of the fall. It's a lot of a lot of grousey action. Beautiful Cocky action air. for uh for an hour. I mean, that's not bad. No, it was great, man. That's incredible. And, and for her, I mean, normally I take her out for twenty thirty minutes for a run for her training. Right. So I kind of equate it to we trained. And, yeah. it, and then she was done for the day, and I got to work the rest of the dogs and have a great day. But, all right, segment number two. Uh, we had, I had a You had a test. big weekend. I ate some humble pie, man. Where um, where, where, where was this? We, we went to a bit of a ride, right? We went to Chardon, Ohio. It's Buckeye Retriever Club's grounds in Ohio. And I've been there maybe four times this year for other tests. And early on in the spring, I had some humble pie. Memphis failed. You know, we, I think really just Memphis failed. Everybody else did well. Humble, don't, don't do yourself in. I mean, humble pie, yeah, like those things happen and, and it's well, it let me what explain. it is. But. Yeah, let me explain. So I've been riding all summer on pass after pass after pass. And I've been working my tail off. And the dogs have been doing really, really well. And... I just, I'm a, I hate to say it, but like I'm showing up to these tests very confident that we've done the work and that whatever the judges put in front of us, my junior dogs, senior dogs, and master dogs are ready. And we showed up on day one and I ran safe first. And in, you were running in what? In master. And so we had a triple. A walk-up, so it was a walk-up, which means you pull the dog out of the holding blind, put them at heel, and boom, a bird goes off, and they have to sit and mark it. Then boom, another bird goes off, and they mark it. And boom, another bird goes off, and they mark it. She stepped on every single bird. Boom, 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 picked them up, brought them back. It was gorgeous. Then it was a double blind, and the judge basically said, it's like playing pool. you got to pick your, pick your pocket. So Can you explain a little bit of like what a double blind means? Uh, they they leave two birds out there for you? Yep. So the double blind means we've got two different blinds out, and I've got to run two separate blinds before we're done. So they were very tight, very close together. And you because they were close together, you couldn't just kick the dog off in whichever way it veered. You could go and get that one. You had to say, I'm going to go for the left-hand blind first run the left-hand blind, and then run the right-hand blind. If you picked the left-hand blind, 
and your dog blew you off and picked the right-hand blind, you were out. Plain as day. That's what the judges said. You're out. You're done. And I saw a couple dogs do it. So, safe. Goes out and is doing pretty good. I can tell she's loose. I can tell she's getting a little bit of a lazier, loopier sit on her whistle. And we get to the bird. Boom. Come back. Send her on the next bird. And that lightly loopy sit turned into a bigger loopy sit. And a bigger loopy sit. And then that loopy sit turned into her standing. And then that stand turned into a little bit of a hunt. And then she'd sit. And she just was blatantly, knowingly, after working with her, blowing me off. Which is a major no-no. Right. And since you can't make a correction at the test, like with an e-collar or you can't say no over or no back, you can't use the word no at the test. I had nothing. So she kind of blew me off enough and I called her in and, and denied her the win of the bird, which is a correction, if you will. And she failed. You're done. So that was really disheartening. First dog of the day, first dog of the weekend, a dog I have high hopes for and is usually on her A game, just didn't do well. So humble pie slice number one. How much pie do you eat? Three slices. <laughs> Out of five. <laughs> so uh, Cruz is up next, crushes it. Memphis up next, crushes it. Really proud. Okay, now we go to junior. Both junior dogs on Saturday, crush it. Uh, it was Faith and Tupper. They did really well. Proud of them. Got junior passes Saturday. Sunday, Memfran, or excuse me, Memfran, the second series on Saturday and did really well in the master test. Then Sunday, cruises up in the second series and absolutely does the same thing Safe does. Blows me off. Like, like she just lost control and excitement overtook her and she blew up. So I called her in off of the blind. She ran beautiful marks. Called her in off the blind. She loses. I lose. Humble pie slice number two. Go to junior, <clears throat> and Tupper crushes it. I'm really proud of her. She's been a tough dog to train. Um, very low drive and very immature in terms of a grasshopper bounces in front of her, and she's going to go check it out instead of going and getting the mark. And then the next mark, she goes and steps on. And then the next mark, a frog jumps in the water, and she plays around on the shoreline and then goes and gets it. Just immature. She's hammered it. Just showed up and did great. Faith girl, who's usually my steady Eddie in training, she's very good, very smart, and doing well, got hung up and hunted short, went and had a little hangout in the holding blind with the bird boys and smelled a bag full of birds and just totally blew her mind and failed. So humble pie number three. So in the end, still really proud. Memph got another master pass, one more close. She's already a master hunter. But one more closer to her Master National for 2019. Tupper got two junior passes and Faith got one. Back to the drawing board a little bit for Faith and Safe. Or, excuse me, Cruz and Safe with Master in terms of a little bit more discipline, a little bit more control, remembering, you know, don't forget what I learned that lesson at the test and just move forward and keep training. But I do want to mention and put it out there because a lot of my friends who run tests or clients who have run tests with their own dogs have failed, and it sucks. It is 
so hard to put time, energy, love into a dog and have them fail. But we got to take it on the chin, press forward, keep training, learn from the mistakes, and and keep crushing onward and upward, baby. So that's that was my weekend. I'm glad it's over. We had a, you know, it's great to see friends. It's great to be out there doing what I love, but I love succeeding too. And to, to eat a little bit of that humble pie is going to make me work harder, even harder, and push these dogs further and learn from my mistakes. So there's that. Um, now, section number three of this one, we're going to get into a couple questions real quick. Uh, Instagram, a lot of great feedback from these podcasts. People are sending more questions than normal, which is awesome. We can and also send questions to LoneDuckPodcast at gmail.com if you're more of an email fella. Yeah, Kevin's going to handle that. I don't need any more emails. I get enough. <laughs> I'll take. Uh, I'll handle those. Send them if, if that's your bag. LoneDuckPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, be happy to answer questions there that way as well. But Alec Clements. My man, big dog Alec, uh, where do you get your steady tabs? Oh, cool. When do you use a steady tab, and then where do you get them? Yeah, so a steady tab is a short leash lead that clips to my e-collar, or if you don't use an e-collar, a flat buckle collar, and I can hold on to it. Maybe it's 8 inches long or so, 10 inches long, and it hangs from their collar, so that I can hold on to it when I'm throwing marks. And I can, a dog who's learning how to be steady, I can hold on to it and, and hold them back from the bird so that I've got a little bit of control, okay? So Why is it important to have a dog be steady? Oh, good question. Mainly safety. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're out duck hunting and ducks are cupped up and coming in, A, you don't want your dog to see them and break and blow them out of there before you can shoot. Number two... When they are getting shot at, you don't want your dog running out in front of them and in front of the gun barrels that are pa-pow, 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 shooting towards your dog. That is a number one safety hazard. So really important to have a steady dog in the blind. Um, so these It's also important to note, um, I, if you hunt with groups of buddies, some people don't hunt with dogs all the time. Some people aren't used to okay, all right, we're all done, we're clear and safe, now send the dog, go pick up the birds, do that sort of thing, and have more of a sequential process instead of all at once where the dog's running out, I hope people stop shooting sort of situationally. It's just not cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's Usually a, when I hunt with somebody new, I kind of do a minor debrief, or not even debrief, what is it, like a pre-hunt, basically talk about yeah, safety with a dog. Debrief would be post hunt. Mm, good point. Po- yeah. Pre hunt. Pre brief. Pre brief. We're gonna call it a pre brief. So this pre brief, where I just quickly talk about. I know I don't know what it is, but we're gonna talk about safety and just. I kind of because it might be awkward to tell someone you've never hunted with or don't really know that well. Hey, dude, don't shoot my dog. You know, you want to just make it kind of a kidding way of. Hey, and by the way, you know, I will call don't shoot, don't shoot, or no shot, right. or whatever, if something were to occur and that dog is out in front of us, and everyone needs to be on the same page to watch for that. I mean, it's just safety. So, anyways, back to the steady tab. It's just an 8-inch, 10-inch piece of rope. I used to sell them, and I might put them back on the website. They're, Stay tuned. 
Yeah, stay tuned. They were really cool. I called them Patriot tabs, and they were red, white, and blue because America, and uh, why not? And, you know, again, it just you hold on to it so the dog can't break, and you teach him to be steady through it. Um, and right now I lost my Patriot tab. Somebody took it or I gave it to someone or whatever. I just have a piece of rope from the hardware store with a snap swivel and tied a knot on the end of it. So I got something to hang on to. So no brainer, $2 piece of thing. If you buy it from me, it'll be 15. Boom. <laughs> Honesty. Question number two. Alec, go buy, go buy a piece of rope. Yeah, brother. dude. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Ching 83. Appreciate the question. This uh, is the second on air question big man loves it thank you uh send in more man wondering how you got into training what was uh the lone duck conception all right <clears throat> so i not i'll go through it quickly but i got my first lab eight and a half years ago buck fell in love with it created lone duck and the clothing line and the unspoken bond and i traveled all over the country i was a salesman before this so i sold copiers oil and auto supply no copiers then insurance then oils and auto supplies and then i worked for a fabrication company that we sold casinos on like custom fabrication stuff pretty cool but anywho, every time <laughs> you really bounced around. Yeah. Your resume is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I might as well have been like a vacuum salesman. <laughs> Shout out to anybody doing that. I'll get a one star review from that yeah, vacuum that guy. salesman. That dude probably was a vacuum salesman. You'd be like, oh man. With a it podcast. Because <laughs> there's only one vacuum salesman podcast out there. So um I on my vacations, I would take vacation time and travel up and down the East Coast and out midwest ish and sell my gear at these hunt tests and i became friends with pro trainers and i would stay at their house or camp out or do whatever and basically be mentored by them and i learned a lot of really good from some of the best trainers in the country i mean i can't tell you how thankful i am that these people would take in lone duck bob from some yankee from new york bring them into their home, give them a bed, give them food, let them come and train, ask a million dumb questions. And, and I learned a ton. And then three years ago or so, I was doing that with a friend of mine named Rhett and Rhett invited me to work for him. And so I quit my day job. I was making okay money you know, I wasn't killing it. And Lone Duck and dog training was my passion. And so I moved to South Carolina and I worked for him. I did his young dog program. So all the basic gun dog training, the force fetch, collar conditioning, singles, doubles, force to pile, T pattern, and then he would take them from there. And I did a lot of dogs and I got my hands on a lot of different personalities and soft dogs, hard dogs. Crazy dogs, smart dogs, dumb dogs, all different breeds, but mostly Labradors. And I'll never forget it. I'll never stop appreciating that opportunity. And um, that hit home on like, this is what I like to do for for good. I mean, I've been a dog trainer now professionally for three years. I haven't worked a job longer than three years ever since college. 
So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Lone <laughs> Duck's doing pretty good. You too, being a grown man. I know. Yeah, early 30s, finally settled in, right? So um, so anyways, that's how I got started, and, and I took a leap of faith on it, and I would highly suggest that, you know, if you've got a dream, you chase it, you do the right things, you learn from your mistakes, and you seek out people who've done it before and learn with them, from them, uh, the good things, the bad things that they've done, and form who you are as a person and how you run a business and all that good stuff. And um, I'm trying to think. So then I came home and I took a little bit of a break for that summer and I really focused on the clothing line and social media. And I had some really cool opportunities that were like on the hook for being, um, I don't know how to say this, but like an industry person. Like I, I interviewed for a, I won't name them because it never panned out and I don't know if they'd want me to, but I flew out to Minnesota and interviewed for this big position to run like their modeling is weird. Like I wasn't going to be a model, but I was going to be like a spokesperson. Spokesperson is the word I'm looking for. Like a TV personality. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of thing. thing. And it didn't pan out. Definitely don't call yourself a model. I know. I couldn't think of the spokesperson <laughs> word. Not, model. I'm not good enough for that. No. But. Too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But it was a really cool opportunity, and I was hoping for more things like that to come down the line. But what stuck with me was I miss working with more dogs. So when those kind of things didn't pan out, all of a sudden I had one dog, then two, then three, then one, then seven. And now we're up to consistently 15 to 20 dogs in training. Lone Duck clothing line and that brand is doing well. We've got more new gear coming out, which it had taken a back seat. So the business is evolving and changing. We're doing the podcast now. So, you know, if anyone were to think like, hey, I want to be a dog trainer, right? I get that question a lot. Like, I think I want to be a dog trainer. What should I do? Number one, train a boatload of dogs. Go to work for somebody. Buy Crocs. Buy Crocs. Oh, yeah. Buy Crocs. Buy a lone duck hat. Buy a lone duck hat and uh, buy a two dollar steady tab. Buy a two dollar make no make your own two dollar steady tab. That's right. And then work for someone and it's and, like an apprenticeship. You never use that word, but that's it's exactly just about what it was. Yeah. You know? Yep. And some people that you work for, you'll want to stay with. Other people, you'll learn from and move on. And I think I just the the relationship that Rat and I had was awesome, and we had a great time. But I'm from New York, and he was in South Carolina, and my friends and family were up here. And there came a time where I just said, I, I'm ready to move home, and I did. And I think that was what ended up happening. And so I built a business up here. I winter in South Carolina where I have friends and a secondary family that has taken me and everybody in and it's been a phenomenal experience and a phenomenal ride. And the next five years, are, like I'm, f we got big plans. Yeah, yeah. And I want to dive back into more YouTube, and I want to really test this podcast out, and I want to train more dogs, and I want to work hard and have fun doing it. And that's why things like hunting with Andy this morning for an hour, like I got to do that once in a while because I end up working seven days a week and hunting for an hour breaks that mold and like today 
we swung by my parents' house just to say hi. We were driving by it from training, and I swung in, and my niece was there, and I got to hang out with her. And if I worked a sales job, that doesn't happen. So I'm very thankful for the life I'm leading and being able to be a dog trainer and run my business. So, all right, that was a question. very long answer for how do you get into training? But, yeah, but I it's do an insight, want to say, insight yeah, into our no, life. It, it is, it is, and it's good. I, uh, I have helped whatever you want to call it with some different lone duck road trips and different lone duck this and that to try and try and you know help out. you can always take kevin on a road trip because you can count on him missing every bird so if you <laughs> <laughs> that is true that it oh, damn we went to arkansas one time my friend dakota again i met through lone duck he's a pro trainer in georgia then he moved to alabama he guided in arkansas he invited us out right so kevin and i drive to arkansas real yeah. quick i i i don't even remember what you were doing for for work now you've had like 47 different jobs but i got out of work at five and at about 5 30 we were on the road on a thursday and i was getting emails at nine o'clock the next morning being like oh like what's going on work blah 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 that's and I was why like, oh, sorry. No, no, right. Easy. And it was like, oh, no, no. I drove all night through the night and into the morning. And uh, sorry, I won't. I'm I'm on Arkansas time right now. Right. So anyways, we get to Arkansas. We hunt three days. And I think Kevin didn't kill a bird. True. It was a long three days. <laughs> didn't kill In. Fairness didn't kill a bird. In in fairness, we didn't see that much action for the first oh, few days. I killed some birds. You, I know I killed some birds. She, we ate speckle belly. That that was the first time we ate speckle belly. That yep. was the only time we ate speckle belly. We I don't get them up north. I have well, since, well, but you live down south half the year. They aren't in South Carolina. We did our uh, Illinois and Kentucky two oh, years ago. Right. Why didn't get invited for that lone duck road trip? Well, we needed shooters. Dang. I know. Kevin can't hit a damn bird if it was standing We're working on it. We're working on it. We won't even go into the pheasant he missed recently. And a chucker, if we're being honest. If we're, being if we're honest. in the if we're in the, the truth booth in the in the trust nest. In the lone duck trust nest. Kevin can't hit the broadside of a barn. I look good doing it. Does that count? Yeah. No. No, it doesn't it doesn't no, count. No, it doesn't, it doesn't count. count. Uh we can Move on. I was going well, Qu- to have another story for that, but we should we move on. Go yeah, ahead. What? What's no, the so next you, story? But no. Well, Bob was saying, you know, back in the day, driving and camping out and trying to do this and that and make some sales and get the Lone Duck brand out there. Do you remember the one time we drove down to Alabama, Phoenix City, Alabama, <laughs> Old South HRC? Yeah, I do. Yeah, we drove uh, nineteen hours. We drew. I took a Friday off from work. I we I helped Bob drive all the way down. We loaded up a trailer full of gear and this and that, whatever, and drove 19 hours south. Spent all Friday driving. <laughs> Slept in a ditch on the side of the road. True. Slept in a ditch. Found out later because it was so dark. We found out later that it really was a ditch. Uh, also found out later that apparently rattlesnakes, a or lot water of water moccasins. Or yeah, something. a lot of snakes in ditches down south. I don't know. Don't run into those things up north. So I remember we had the booth set up, and this woman came up, and she's like, oh, my God, in flight B, they just shot a water moccasin on the water. And we're like, holy crap. Wow. That's crazy. She's like, oh, do we have the extra gunner there for for snakes, the the snake gunner? Yeah. Oh, man, what's a snake gunner? 
like, oh, we, we keep an extra person with a shotgun out to shoot snakes for when they're going after the dogs. Yeah. Whole new world. No, I don't know if that's fully true. That may be an embellishment, but I do remember them shooting a snake during one of the flights. And then this dude's chatting with us. He was cool. I mean, he stood there and talked with us for a while. Oh, he was awesome. And he's like, yeah, you can't walk 10 feet in the woods without stepping on a rattlesnake. And meanwhile, we're like walking out of a tent in the middle of the night, taking a leak. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Could have stepped on. He was like, "Are you those guys in the on the side of the road when I drove in this morning?" Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that was that was us. That was us. Yeah, so that was a good one. We drove, then we drove nineteen hours Friday, hung out Saturday, did the hunt test. We took a a bunch of cool people. Yeah, took a puppy to Nashville, slept in a Japanese food parking lot in Nashville, in Nashville, and then drove that Saturday night and drove home all day Sunday. Went to work. Went to work on Monday. Probably sold copiers. No, no, I was probably selling auto supplies then, and they probably didn't know I was gone on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the lube another, business. Yeah, <laughs> the lube business, another reason why I own my own business. All right, <laughs> question number three, Kevin, our final Anyways, question for the night. We're, we're getting we're getting out of hand. Uh, it's late now. It's getting late now. It's uh, Jeff Hatfield. Appreciate the question, and congrats. Jeff's got a new eight-week-old puppy. Did he say what kind of puppy he bought? No. I don't think he did. Jeff, let us know. Uh, so Jeff's got a new eight-week-old puppy and was wondering at what age should he begin the bulk of his training? Okay. This is another – the reason I picked this question is because I get it all the time. And here is what I would suggest, and I'm going to try and keep it not super long-winded like Kevin's shooting story. Uh, but anyways, so – when I own a puppy, my puppy, training starts immediately. But it's smart. It's simple. It's easy. I'm going in a hallway where there's no distractions and throwing a light baby puppy bumper down the hallway two or three times and getting the puppy to bring it back to me. Um, I'm taking it on hikes. The biggest thing I tell people is introduce the dog to people, places, and things. And make them all positive experiences. So you got a family barbecue, take the puppy. Let everybody hold it. Let everybody pet it. Um, Places, take it to um, kids' playgrounds. Take it in the woods and streams and snowing, raining. Just take it everywhere with you and let it experience the world in a really positive way. Um, that way you're socializing the dog to people, places, and things, and it won't be fearful because you're building exceptional confidence in that puppy. Okay. So that's just dog training. That's just, if you have a Australian doodle, like I worked with tonight at somebody's home, same advice, people, places, and things, and build a socialized, well-adapted, happy, confident dog. So that is rule number one for the first few months. Also, build that retrieve drive. We don't study the puppy too soon. We introduce it to wing clip pigeons. We introduce it to frozen pigeons. We introduce it to water when it's warm enough outside. We've got a YouTube channel, just to plug that real quick, with introducing dogs to gunfire, introducing dogs to water, um, all different stuff. And, you know, gunfire, I don't do very early. Um, I hold off until the dog is a little bit older, give or take five months old. I saw someone the other day on Instagram. I don't know if you saw this and I, I don't remember what, 
hunting dog, whatever thing it was on. But the guy was banging off shotgun shells around a litter of puppies that were outside playing. Yeah, that guy's a knucklehead. He, Don't do that. <laughs> Don't take your dog to a I couldn't believe shooting it. range. You know, don't take them to sporting clays. Don't shoot a gun over his head to see if it's going to be gun shy because you're going to make it gun shy. And do me a solid. If you're listening to this and you're trying to think of how you're going to introduce your dog to gunfire, we did it on the Instagram yesterday or the day before, and we're doing it with a bunch of the young dogs now in training. But go to the YouTube channel and see how I do it properly. That or shoot us an email or a message and like sure. do it the right way. Get it done the first time. Right. Just but don't do just right. don't you don't wonder if a dog's gun shy. A dog isn't born gun shy. We make them gun shy. So it's your fault if you made your dog gun shy. So so my whole thing, I say it all the time, is you can't have a gun dog if they're afraid of guns. So don't take your eight-week-old puppy and shoot a twenty-two, you know, while he's taking a leak out in the yard to see if he's going to be afraid of it. Because he might. He might not. And you might have done it with your old dog, and the old dog was okay. Great. You got lucky. Let's stack the deck in our favor that the dog's not going to be gun-shy because we did it right. Um, introduce, you know, so again, zero, eight weeks to six months, people, places, things. Increase retrieve drive, get them swimming, get them picking up birds. Um, all fun, man. All fun. And then at six months, I start formal obedience and formal gun dog training. Why at six months? Uh, they've got a longer attention span. They're a little bit more mature. And you know, they've got adult teeth, so we can do force fetch. Um Trying to think. I mean, realistically, that that's kind of it. Like they just have a longer tension span. They have their adult teeth for force fetch, and they're a little bit bigger so that we can start doing heel work and really work with them uh, hands on. But before then, before that six months, let them be a puppy. But let them be a puppy doesn't mean let them rule the roost and have all these bad behaviors and playing. We don't play tug of war because imagine going <laughs> in the, the worst imagine being in the duck blind and grabbing the duck from the dog and all of a sudden it thinks tug of war time and it wants to play and you're playing tug of war with the duck no good we also don't throw sticks for our dogs because imagine your dog's out hunting a marsh and it's searching and searching and searching and can't find the duck and it's like ooh stick bob what's that over there bob lets me bring sticks back to him all the time i'm gonna bring him this stick he'll be happy Nope. So no sticks, no tug of war. Don't let them jump on you. Don't let them bark incessantly. Don't let them whine. Crate train for sure. House break. You know, those are the things you worry about the first six months. One thing that Bob always said to me that always, uh, it just made sense to me is in, in a, which I don't want to give you too much credit. I know. I was just going to say, I know you, I can see it in your face. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But you are right. So I will give you that. Everything is training maybe it's perspective and, and how you look at it, but everything is training. If it's raining and pouring outside, well, you'd probably be out hunting in that sort of situation before. How many times you talk to buddies and they're like, oh, my dog doesn't like to go potty when it's raining outside. Well, it's going to rain and you're going to be out hunting and the dog needs to be content and patient and kind of flexible with the weather. Go out on a nice walk in the rain. Yeah. Suck it up. Not every rain any day you got to do it, but he makes a great right. point. Like everything can be can be turned into a training opportunity. Right. And it's it's just yeah, how you got to look at it. And even little things like you know, 
when do and I this is maybe something I'm I've got to acclimate and I have been recently to my training but like when I pull a dog out of the kennel and it's time to work we work and then they are done when do they ever sit for 30 minutes straight and see nothing like you are in a duck blind when we're having coffee and eating muffins and BSing and laughing and it's slow what does that dog do they have to sit and be patient right so what I did with my dog, Buck, and I haven't done with Mem for some of the other dogs, is like I would wash my truck and I would make Buck sit and stay sitting while I wash my truck. Now, that's a little excessive, but you get the point. Like maybe you have your morning coffee out on your front porch. Instead of letting the dog run around the yard and play, maybe make him sit and heal while you're having your cup of coffee and that's 10 minutes where the dog's had to sit and heal and then throw them a bumper, bring it back, sit down, finish your cup of coffee, throw a bumper, sit. And so every little piece of your day could turn into a mini, mini training session that will help you in the duck blind or in the pheasant field in the future. So I think to wrap this episode up, we hope you enjoyed a little bit simpler this, this week. Um, but next week we should have a guest. That'd be my guess. <laughs> um, we're gonna have a good guest next week. Yeah, and puppy we, name. We need a puppy name. Yeah, you're right. This little setter. She's orange and white. We'll have a picture up on Instagram. Um, super cute. Don't throw out a name like uh, that. You hear everybody else with a gun dog having Remington and Ruger and I don't know Bullet. Yeah, bullet's not a bad one. For, she's not a bullet, for, though. She's not a bullet. But anyways, so we're going to do that. That's going to be really fun. We'll announce the, the winning name next week on episode nine. We'll have a guest. It should be fun, and we'll have more training tips. Hey, if this sucked, I dare you. <laughs> I dare you to give us a one because I will call you out. Seriously, thank you all for your support, your listen, and uh, I'm glad you're enjoying these podcasts. We will see you at the next Gundog Chronicles. Pow! Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash lone duck outers. If you enjoy the show and want to want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on links in the description. We'd be happy to to have you and love to help you hey listeners nick larson here host of the bird shop podcast as fans of this show you may be interested in the conversations on the bird shop podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns bird dogs and gear used to pursue them whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more i interview a wide range of guests each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share if you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation please consider subscribing to the bird shop podcast today Oh,